0: We're about to move into a time of giving our tithes and our offerings, but before we do that, uh, I just wanted to give you an update of something that we talked about and prayed about last weekend. Um, If you were here last Sunday, uh, we uh, lifted up the United Methodist Church denomination because they were going into a a very critical vote uh, for their denomination, Uh, and I wanted to give you an update. They took the vote, um, and ultimately the denomination decided to stick with biblical doctrine and reject the idea of changing their biblical concepts for the culture. And so they did exactly what we prayed and we hoped that they would do. And I wanted to give you a praise report uh, about that and and what was going on there. Uh, Continue to pray for the United Methodist denomination. Uh, They are out of this vote. There's a lot of debate and discussions and divisions that are taking place. And so just pray that, uh, continue to pray that God's will and God will be glorified uh, through that denomination and the work that they do uh, in staying true to God and his word. So uh, continue to pray for them. Almighty God, thank you so much for today. And God, we thank you that we do have the opportunity uh, to give back from the blessings that you have poured out upon us. And Lord, this morning we thank you for what has taken place with the United Methodist Church. We thank you that uh, they ultimately voted to stay true to your word and the instruction that you have given them. And Lord, we pray that you would just enable them to continue to seek you and follow you and glorify your name with all that they do. We thank you so much for this body of Christ. We thank you for the blessings that you've given to us. And we pray the same thing, that you would use these gifts that we give now for your work here and around the world. Uh, multiply this so that your name will be glorified, that people will come to know you and lives will be changed. We thank you again and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, as they're passing around the uh, uh, baskets, I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23. Uh, If you don't have a Bible or an app with you, uh, there are Bibles uh, scattered throughout on the chairs. Uh, Grab one of those and turn to Luke 23 from there. If you don't have a Bible at home, please feel free to take that Bible uh, that are in the chairs. Take that Bible at the end of the service and take it home with you. Uh, We want everybody to have a Bible available to them to read and reference and study from. So uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, let that be our gift to you uh, this morning. So Luke chapter 23. Um, I'm excited this morning, we're starting a brand new series called uh, The Seven Sayings of Jesus from the Cross. And basically, um, we're, I'll go into detail here in a moment on this, but uh, while Jesus hung on the cross, he made seven statements. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to look at those seven statements and apply those to our lives, that, that biblical truth that Jesus gave us. So as I open, we're going to do something a little bit differently this morning. Let me open with a question for you. My question is this, if you, know, if you knew the day that you were going to pass away, you knew what day it was going to happen, when it was going to happen, what would your last meal be? What would you choose as your last meal? Turn to your neighbor and tell them what your last meal would be. OK, so let's take a short survey, and let's see what, ki- what kind of responses we have. How many of you said "steak? Yeah, that's always the biggest one. Steak is always the biggest one. OK, so how many of you said uh, hamburger, cheeseburger or something along those lines? What'd you say, Joe? Chicken-fried steak would I think we can qualify that as steak. That's a great answer. So Did anybody say like a breakfast meal, like cake, something like that? Okay, let me ask you this one. How many of you said some kind of dessert? I I can't that's one that kind of shocks me every time is that my last meal, I don't want anything but dessert. I just want sweets. I want a bowl of ice cream the size of my face. That's what I want, you know. But so let me now turn this a little more seriously. If you knew What day you were going to pass away, what would you want your loved ones to hear from you? What would be the last words that you gave to the people you love? What's that bit of wisdom? What's that advice, that that thing that you would want your loved ones to know? What would that be? It's interesting to think about, isn't it? Uh, Jesus, while dying on the cross, left us with seven statements. And I think there's something to be said. We need to pay attention to the things that he said from the cross because technically they were the last things he said before he died, right? Now we know that he later rose from the dead, but he died on a cross and he made seven statements from that cross. So we're going to look at that for the next seven weeks and that seven weeks is going to lead us right to the Sunday before Easter. So this series is going to take us to Easter, basically. Uh, we'll study the resurrection and celebrate the resurrection uh, at the end of this series on Easter Sunday. So um, I want you to take your Bibles, turn to Luke 23. We're going to start in verse 34. Well, not start. We're going to read verse 34. Now, as you're turning there, let me give you background on what has happened or what's has taken place here. This is the week of the Passover uh, during this chapter uh, the Passover, if you don't know what the Passover is, the Passover, it could be argued that the Passover was the biggest celebration, the biggest holiday, the biggest holy day for the Israelite people. It was the most celebrated, the most honored of all of the commanded holidays, holy days, that God had given to the people of Israel. This was a huge deal. Thousands upon thousands of people would go to Jerusalem during this week to celebrate the Passover together. People would spend tons of money and resources every single year to celebrate this one day, the Passover. So, background is Jesus has... Uh, It's the beginning of the week and Jesus has come into the city of Jerusalem and he's come into the city with big fanfare. People are celebrating him and they're praising him. They're laying palm branches and their coats down on the ground as he passes by to honor him and he goes into the city and he spends the week teaching. He goes to the temple and he teaches about the kingdom of God day in and day out and then we get to the end of the week and he celebrates the Passover with his disciples so this huge meal bunch of arrangements have been made and he celebrates this passover celebration this meal with his disciples and during this meal it is revealed that judas is going to betray him and judas leaves to go make the arrangements to do the betraying and then jesus wraps up the passover meal by taking the lord's supper together and we're going to actually celebrate the lord's supper uh later on in our service and i'll Teach, I'll mention how all of this ties together because it's a, it does. It ties together beautifully. So he goes and he celebrates the Lord's Supper together, and then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane where he goes and he prays. Uh, and it's this very deep prayer of anguish. He does not want to go and die, but he, know he, he knows he has to go and die. Uh, and so he prays to the Father. He, he has this deep prayer, and then after that, He's arrested. Judas betrays him. He's arrested. And they have a very illegal uh, court proceeding that takes place overnight. Now, according to Jewish law, back in this day and time, it was illegal to hold a secret nighttime court hearing. But that's exactly what took place in Jesus' instance. It's the middle of the night. They call the religious leaders together. And they put Jesus on trial while everyone else is asleep. Uh, And they go through this whole process of putting him on trial, ultimately deciding that he is guilty and that he is condemned to die through crucifixion by dying on a cross. And now we get to the place where Jesus has been nailed to a cross and he makes his first statement from the cross. So I want you to look with me in chapter 23, verse 34. Mind you, keep in mind what is happening right now. Mind you that Jesus... Is suffering in a way that probably none of us in this room will ever experience. He is experiencing a level of physical pain that we cannot imagine. And look at what he says. Verse 34. And Jesus said, Forgive, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let that sink in for a second. Jesus is dying. He is experiencing a level of pain that we can't fathom. And his first statement in that is Father, forgive them. Pretty, pretty deep. So obviously, we're gonna talk about this morning, we're gonna talk about forgiveness. And so before we go any further, let me just define what forgiveness is. Because I don't know that I've ever heard somebody actually say, This is what this word means, this is what is biblically. What the understanding of this word is, this means to let go and stop feeling angry and resentful towards someone who has wronged you. So it's this idea of if I'm going to forgive, it means that when they walk in a room, I'm not going to get infuriated and mad and angry. And I'm not going to hold resentment in my heart towards this person. I'm going to let that go and give that to the Lord. That's what forgiveness means. That's what it is. Now, let me say something about forgiveness before we kind of get into what Jesus actually said and did. Forgiveness is foundational to our faith, isn't it? Think about it for a moment. We're talking about a faith where our foundational belief is that the Son of God came and lived on this earth and lived a perfect life and at the end of that life, despite the fact that he committed not a single sin, he was convicted in innocence to die on a cross. And on that cross, spiritually, he shed blood so that our sins could be forgiven. And it's only through stepping into a life-changing relationship with Jesus that we can be forgiven of our sins. So see how forgiveness is foundational? The blood of Christ screams forgiveness. The blood of Christ is all about forgiveness. And so ultimately, forgiveness is a foundational element of our faith. It is kind of, you could argue, it is something that our faith hinges upon. Without forgiveness, you cannot claim to follow Christ, because forgiveness is exactly what Christ gave you when he hung on the cross. So forgiveness is foundational because that's what Jesus did on the cross. But it's also foundational because it's what Jesus told us to do, isn't it? So, so think back at a couple of different things that Jesus said when he was alive. You go to Matthew 22. There's a passage in Matthew 22 where Jesus gives us the two greatest commandments. And the first one is, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, And the second one is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all of the law hinge on these two commandments. But let me ask you something. Can we truly love our neighbor as ourselves if we're not forgiving our neighbor? No. None of us in this room could look at anybody and say, you know what? I think a healthy relationship is dependent upon unforgiveness. But if we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, then forgiveness has to be Part of what that relationship looks like. And so, not only did Christ die to forgive us, but he also commanded us to forgive. If you go into Matthew 5, another passage, Matthew 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he talks about many different things. But one of the things that he addresses very strongly is how we interact with our enemies. And he says, You're not supposed to hate your enemies. He actually says, you're supposed to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So whether we like someone or not does not determine whether or not we are forgiving them. Forgiveness is something we give no matter what our relational status is with that person. If we hate that person, we're still called to forgive them. And let's be honest, if Jesus could forgive the people that nailed him to a cross... I think that we can love our enemies, can't we? Because I don't know about you, but I don't see any of you with nail scars in your hands because one of your enemies nailed you some to a cross. Jesus had all of the right to not forgive, but that's not what he did. He forgave despite the fact that he had been wronged more than anybody. So the difficulty with this is that we live in a society today that is anti-forgiveness, isn't it? We live in a society today where we're encouraged to fight people who disagree with us, aren't we? People aren't gonna come out and say you should fight anybody who disagrees with you, but that's kind of what our culture teaches and what our culture does, isn't it? It's, we live in a culture where conflict is cool. We live in a culture where conflict and debate and arguments are the, the status quo. That's what is standard, Forgiveness is opposite of all of that, isn't it? Forgiveness is saying we can disagree all day long, but I'm still gonna love you and I'm gonna forgive you, and I'm not gonna hold anger and resentment towards you. And so the fact is is that forgiveness is so important, but it's so opposite of what what the culture, what our society is, what the example is around us. But let's call that out for a second. Are we supposed to as Christians look like our culture or are we supposed to be different from our culture? That's what holiness means. That's one of the aspects of holiness. Holiness is being different from everything around you. Holiness is being set apart because you do something differently than everyone else around you. And so despite the fact that our culture is very unforgiving, Christ calls us to always be forgiving. So. Forgiveness is foundational, especially to followers of Christ. And here's my big idea, because this is kind of what everything hinges on, is this idea right here. And If you've gone back and you've ever heard any of my messages, you've heard this statement. Because I think this statement is important, and we need to live by it day in and day out. So here's my big idea. Here's my statement for today. Forgiven people forgive people. Think about that for a moment. Forgiven people forgive people. If we're forgiven, then we're going to forgive because we've received so much. We've been forgiven so much day in and day out that it should be natural for us to then go out and forgive others, shouldn't it? And so forgiveness is so essential because we've been forgiven so much. You see, we sin on a daily basis. And the fact is, is that Jesus forgives us every single time that we go to him and ask for that forgiveness, doesn't he? Does, D- does Jesus push back when you go to him in prayer and you ask for forgiveness, does Jesus push back and say, yeah, I don't know if I can forgive you this time? No. That's not what Jesus does, except in one instance. If you go into Matthew 6, again, this is... Jesus doing the Sermon on the Mount, preaching the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that he does is he teaches us how to pray. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, and then at the end of that Lord's Prayer, he gives this interesting statement. So this is Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. And this is what it says. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Guys, basically what Jesus says is if you want forgiveness, you've got to go out and forgive. God's not going to forgive you of your sins because you're not doing exactly what God has done for you. There's this great uh, parable where uh, we've got the unforgiving, it's called the unforgiving uh, servant. And this king uh, is collecting all of his debts and he's got this servant that owes millions and millions of dollars and the king the servant begs the king to give him more time to pay it off and the king looks at him and goes listen you know what i'm being merciful today your debt is wiped clean your millions of dollars that you owe me is gone you don't owe me anything else your 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 slate is clean you're free of that debt And the servant is is thankful and he's happy and he goes out and celebrates. And, And as he's celebrating, going down a hallway, he encounters another servant that owes him like five bucks. And he says, hey, I need you to pay me back my five bucks. And the servant goes, oh, can you give me the next week? I don't have the money on me. And he goes, no, and he gets him thrown in prison. The king finds out. And he says, because of what you've done, because I showed you so much forgiveness and mercy and you didn't return it, To the person who owed you so little I'm going to take that guy out of prison and lift him up and you're going to go to prison for the rest of your life. The truth here is that because we've received so much forgiveness we should be pouring that out upon everyone around us. It should be so natural for us to forgive others. One of the things that I hear a lot is that People go, well, I can't forgive or I'm not going to forgive unless they ask for forgiveness. But is that a qualification that God's word says we have to have in order to give forgiveness? No, as a matter of fact, this passage that we're looking at today tells us the direct opposite think about it if you read the first part of Luke 23 is there any point where the soldiers or the religious leaders or anybody who put Jesus on that cross do any of them go to Jesus while hanging there and say Jesus forgive me not a single time not a single person that needed Jesus' forgiveness asked for it but did Jesus give it certainly did. The fact is, is we do not need to hear somebody ask for forgiveness before we can give it. As a matter of fact, if we're following Jesus's example, we give it before they ask for it. Forgiveness should be something that naturally comes out of us. So we have to forgive whether it's requested or not. Now let me chase a side item here for just a moment because There's this idea in our culture that we're supposed to forgive and forget. But that's not a biblical concept. The fact is, is it's not actually physically possible for us to forget what things have happened to us, right? You come across a person and you're gonna remember all the good and bad things that that person ever did to you. And there's nothing you can do about that. The fact is, is the Bible says, forgive and learn from it. So maybe... If you've got someone who has hurt you, has stabbed you in the back, betrayed you, you know, something along those lines, maybe you look at what they've done and you learn from that and you put up healthy boundaries in your life. So let me give you an example. Let's say someone steals money from you and it hurts you. You've been betrayed by this person. They, they took without asking. And you forgive them and you invite them back to your house. Don't leave money lying around. That's a healthy boundary, right? It's not about, forgiveness is not about forgetting. Forgiveness is simply saying, I'm gonna let go of the anger and resentment because you stole from me, but I'm not gonna give you another chance to hurt me again. There's a difference between those two things. So forgive, but don't be afraid to put up healthy boundaries in your relationships. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? You stole money from me. I'm not going to give you another chance to do that. Not by not including you or holding anger and resentment. I'm just not going to have money around you. Because I can't trust you there. I'm going to have a healthy boundary. So, forgive, but understand that we're not talking about forgetting. We're talking about simply letting go of the anger and resentment. And then putting up some healthy boundaries that God calls us to. So, we forgive. Because God calls us to, we forgive because Jesus forgave us. But let's be honest, this is not as easy as I'm making it sound, is it? Forgiveness can many times be very, very difficult. But let me step on some toes for just a moment. So, are you ready? Take a deep breath. We make forgiveness too complicated. We have, as an American culture, we have made forgiveness this very eternal, emotional, complicated thing when in reality, it's not that. Biblical forgiveness is just something you do. You don't have to internalize it. You don't have to make it this big emotional struggle and this big fight inside of you because that's not what God tells us forgiveness is. God simply says, guys, Let it go. You sin against God day in and day out. I sin against God day in and day out. But does God sit in heaven and go, oh, you hurt my feelings and I don't know if I can let go of this and and I don't know that I can forgive because you just keep doing this thing. Does God do that? No. So why do we? Why do we take God's forgiveness and throw it back in his face By making it more complicated than he ever intended it to be. God simply says, let it go. People are going to let you down. People are going to betray you. They're going to wrong you. They're going to stab you in the back. That's sinful nature. Every single one of us in this room have sinful nature. We're going to let each other down. We're going to hurt each other. That's part of what it is to be a human. When it happens... Let it go, because God lets it go with you. Don't make it this complicated thing that God never intended it to be. And let me just say, if you struggle to forgive people, or maybe you struggle to forgive just one person, if that's something that you can't overcome, go find some help. Go to your pastor. Go to a Christian counselor. Go to someone who can help you work through that anger and resentment that you're holding up inside of you and help, let them help you let that go and give that to God. Because that's what God does with us, is he simply says, I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to throw it as far as the east is from the west, meaning I'm going to throw it where it can never be found again. So if God does that with us, we should be doing that with others. So what do you do if you struggle with forgiveness? Well, if you struggle with anger and resentment when you see or think about a person or a group of people, you know, someone that, that, that you feel wronged by, if you struggle in that area, when that anger, when that resentment comes on you, when you think of that person, go back to what he says in Matthew 5 about how we treat our enemies. What are we supposed to do? Love them and pray for them. So when you struggle with that anger or that resentment towards a person or a group of people, maybe you should stop, take a deep breath, and spend some time in prayer with the Lord. Maybe you need to go off by yourself and just ask God to help you with that struggle. And again, if, if you don't get healing from that unforgiveness, then maybe it's time you go and talk to somebody about what you need to do in order to overcome that forgiveness, that unforgiveness, you see, really, forgiveness is a simple choice. We can choose to be a forgiving people, and we have to choose to be a forgiving people. It can be as simply, simple as that. There are lies out there that encourage us to justify our unforgiveness. You know, people will say things like, Yeah, I want to forgive them, but you just don't understand what they've done to me. Guys, it doesn't matter what they've done because they didn't do anything compared to what people did to Jesus, and he forgave. So we can't use that excuse, we can't use that lie to justify our unforgiveness. Well, you don't know what they've done to me. Yeah, you don't know what they did to Jesus, and Jesus forgave, so let it go. Some of you may say or buy into the lie, well, well they don't deserve to be forgiven. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Well, guess what? None of us in this room deserve God's forgiveness, do we? Did any of you, did I, earn the forgiveness that God gave us? No. The fact is, is God gave us what we didn't deserve. We deserve punishment because we are all sinners. But what did we get instead? We got a Savior who died on a cross so that we could be forgiven and get what we don't deserve, grace and mercy. And so it doesn't matter what they've done It doesn't matter whether you feel like they deserve your forgiveness or not. Biblically, following Christ, we still forgive. There is no offense too high. There is no offense too hard that deserves for something to be unforgiven. But we have to make the choice to let go. We have to choose to say, I'm not going to hold on to this resentment and this anger any longer. I'm gonna let go and give that to the Lord and I'm gonna live in forgiveness. So let me ask you a question. What would your life look like if you truly began to forgive others? Flip that around a little bit. What would your life look like if the people around you truly began to forgive you? What would this church, what would this community, what would this city look like If suddenly people decided, I'm gonna forgive, I would dare say that this world would look completely different, wouldn't it? But guys, guess what? That difference starts with us. Forgiveness starts with us. So we have to be the ones to start forgiving and see what happens in the lives of those around us. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, thank you so much for your forgiveness. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. As a matter of fact, we deserve the direct opposite of your forgiveness. And yet you still give us love and mercy. Lord, thank you so much for that. Lord, we pray that out of the forgiveness that you have poured into our lives, that we would in turn go and forgive others. And Lord, I pray that if we struggle with forgiveness... If forgiveness is something that we have a hard time grasping, Lord, we pray that you would help us to let that go. That we could give it to you and we could be a forgiving people. Whatever that may take, help us to follow you in forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in the name of our loving and amazing Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.